Good morning. Good morning. Oh, we can do a little better than that. Good morning. Good morning. Oh, man, I love that. Love that. Can we keep that same energy the whole time? That would be great. Shout out to all of our friends watching online. We miss you. We wish you were here with us, but we're glad that you're joining us either way. My name is Matt. I'm the next-gen pastor here at New Life. That means I get the joy and the privilege of overseeing all of our ministries from our itty-bitty babies all the way up through our high school kids. I love that I get to do it, and I'm really excited before we get to our sermon this morning to tell you about one of my absolute favorite Sundays of the year that's coming up on May 22nd. It's called Next Gen Sunday. Next Gen Sunday. It's a Sunday that we, we just take this one Sunday every year to talk about the great work that's happening in all of our Next Gen ministries. It is going to be off the charts, a Sunday that you don't want to miss. It's happening at 9 and 11 a.m. Now listen, we're going to do a couple of different things that day. We're going to turn up the volume on worship, maybe just a little bit. Um, I see you in the back with the snap. There you go. We can, all that. Come on. Um, we're we're going we're gonna to hear a great word from Pastor Rich and from his wife, Rosie. They're going to be sharing about the value of, the, of next gen that we have here at New Life. Um, we're also going to have a huge party downstairs in the Shell Room just to celebrate the great things that are going on. And we want you to participate in all of it. In one way, a really simple way that you can join with us on next gen Sunday is to Wear something orange. Some of you are like, what? Like, wear something orange. It could be as small as you just have this weird orange pin that you've had no point. Just put it on your shirt and come. That counts. We will give you credit for orange. Maybe you have a really cool pair of orange sneakers that you've been looking for an excuse to wear. Let me give you your excuse. May 22nd, 9 or 11 a.m. Come on out. Join us. Wear orange as we celebrate the great things happening in the next generation here at New Life. Um, what do you say we get into our word this morning? Can I get a, an amen? amen? All right, all right, let's do it. We're going to look at the book of John, chapter 21, uh, verses 1 to 14, as we continue our series on encounters with the risen Jesus. John 21, verses 1 through 14. You can read along on the screen, or if you have your Bible, feel free to read that way. Later, Jesus appeared again to the disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but, they caught, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you've just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to his disciples 
after he was raised from the dead. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for your self-revealing love. God, I pray as we unpack this scripture that we get a better understanding of the way you are continuously revealing yourself in the world and in our lives. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. I have a question for you. Who likes a good surprise? Who likes a good surprise? Well, if you look under your chairs right now, you will not find anything. <laughs> but I love a good surprise. I'm also impossible to surprise. I just have this way of figuring everything out. I'm nosy. I look in closets. I'm not supposed to. I do all kinds of stuff. But I cannot be surprised. But I do love surprises. And one of my favorite surprises is, have you ever seen when military families are reunited after a long time? It usually happens at a sporting event, at least with the videos that I see online. The person is like shooting free throws or doing something like that. And they're so focused on what they're doing, they don't realize that this relative they haven't seen in a really long time is standing behind them talking to them. It's almost like they forgot what the person sounded like, but it's because they don't expect to see them in that space and in that time. And because they're not expecting them, they're surprised to realize that it's this person they've known for a really long time. I love surprises, but I had a moment like that once, and unfortunately, it wasn't a good surprise. It was, I was afraid for my life. My mom caught me doing something I wasn't supposed to be doing. <laughs> I was in middle school and hanging out with a bunch of my friends, and we were, uh, there, was a, we, there was a girl in front of us, and we were just mocking her, one of our classmates. We were making fun of her, like, just constantly the whole way down the block. Because I was doing that thing that you do in middle school when you like somebody. You don't tell them, you make fun of them. Where are my middle schoolers at? You know what I'm talking about. I see you. I see you. And in the process of, of us making fun of this girl, I used a word that if I were to use now, I'd be fired immediately. Um, and then I heard my name. And at first, I was trying to figure out, why am I hearing my name right now? And I, I turned around, and there was my mom. She had been walking behind me and my friends the whole time. And so my instinct was what any person would do. I turned to run. <laughs> and it was in that moment that I learned just how quick my mother's hands are. <laughs> she had me by the back of my neck before I could get my foot off the ground. She brought me over, I had to apologize to the girl in front of all my friends, and then I became the object of their mocking. They made fun of me for weeks after that. But I wasn't expecting to see her there. I was surprised when I heard her voice. I didn't recognize it when I heard her voice. And in this encounter with Jesus, he shows up to the disciples at a time and a place that they don't expect. The disciples have at this point, they've met Jesus on two other occasions, both of them in the upper room. They're praying, they're gathered together, they're hiding, and they're trying to figure out what to do next in the aftermath of Easter. And I can't help but wonder how disorienting this must have been for them. Think about it. They had just spent every day for the last three years going everywhere that Jesus asked them to go. They were watching him heal people. They were watching him, like they watched him raise someone from the dead. They heard him preach and teach. They saw miracles happen before their eyes. And everywhere he went, they were sure to be right there with him. Their entire lives were built around going where Jesus went. And now all of a sudden, after Easter, everything was different. Yes, they were excited and ecstatic and overjoyed that Jesus was back, but they were also maybe kind of wondering, now what? What are we supposed to do now? Because he's not here with us the same way that he was before. What are we supposed to do? 
And understand this, they had everything they need to do whatever came next. The scriptures tell us that in John chapter 20 that when he meets them in the upper room, he, he breathes the Holy Spirit into them and he says, you're going to go out and if you forgive sins, they'll be forgiven. If you say someone's healed, they will be healed. You have everything you need to do whatever comes next except they didn't know what it was. They had no idea what came next and that's where our story begins. Peter is gathered with the disciples and he, they decide, you know what guys, let's go on a fishing trip. Let's go on a fishing trip. And so that night they headed out onto the water. And it was common for them to fish at night because they would catch fish at nighttime and in the morning they would bring it to the local market and they would sell it because, you know, no refrigerator. <laughs> See, we have to remember something. This was, this was common to them. These guys were professional fishermen. When Jesus first met them, what were they doing? Fishing. They fished in these waters before. They, they knew the Sea of Galilee. They probably even knew the spots to go where the fish hang out so that they could guarantee themselves a catch. This was the disciples going about their ordinary lives, trying to find some kind of normalcy in the midst of all the change they were experiencing. They decided to go on a fishing trip. They're doing what I think a lot of us do, and I know I do when there's times of uncertainty or difficulty or stress. They go to something reliable and familiar. They go to something that's familiar because there's comfort found in the familiar. What do you go to when you're uncomfortable? What's your go-to thing that you automatically, the minute something is uncertain, the minute you're trying to figure out a problem or a solution, what do you go to when you don't want to do, when you don't know what to do next? I remember a few years ago being on vacation with my wife, and we have this thing every night. She likes to watch TV before she goes to sleep, like she sits in the bed with the TV on, and she watches the same show every night. And she's been doing this for years. I don't understand how you do that. I just, I mean, there's shows that I really love. I just can't watch them over and over and over again every day. If I do, I feel like I would just start reciting the lines as they are. But every night she watches the same show. And so like, I'll sit, I'll sit there in the bed while I go relax, we're watching TV, whatever it is. And she'll fall asleep because there's just something about this that just knocks her out. So we were on vacation one time and I have a really hard time not like being in other environments to sleep especially. I just like my bed, it's nice, it's fantastic. I'm comfortable there. And so I'm in this hotel, we're watching, like we're just hanging out, whatever, I can't sleep. So I turn on the television and sure enough, there is the, sa the same show is on our hotel TV. And all of a sudden, I found myself so sleepy and comfortable, I just knocked out. What We all have things that we go to in times of discomfort and uncertainty that bring us that sense of comfort. For the disciples, it was a night of fishing. For you, it might be something else. Maybe it's food. Maybe it's social media. I don't understand how that could be possible. For someone, it is. Maybe it's a good book or cleaning or some kind of other chore. The disciples went fishing, and they caught nothing. I like fishing, and it's f but it's far less fun when you don't catch anything. <laughs> and then morning comes, and when morning comes, the, the disciples hear a voice echoing across the waters. They don't recognize it. We know, thankfully, that it's Jesus. We understand exactly who it is, but they don't. And Jesus speaks in this story, he speaks four times. He speaks four times, and I want to highlight each of those four words because those, each of those words reveal a part of who he is, what he cares about, and the way he will continue to reveal himself in the world. 
When, they, when he speaks the first time, understand this, they don't recognize his voice because they're not expecting him to be there. They have no, no concept, no way in their mind that Jesus could ever be there. Has that ever happened to you? Someone shows up and they're like, hey, and you know them, you should know their voice. But you're not expecting to see them in that space, so you have no clue. You just don't recognize it. I saw Pastor Rich in the grocery store, like, during the pandemic, and he's calling my name as I'm walking down the aisle. And if you know me, I, I don't, I have long legs, and so I just go. And so he's calling me, and I'm speeding away from him, in part because I don't like to be bothered at the grocery store. But I'm, I'm just walking. I didn't even realize. And finally, he grabbed my arm, and he's like, Matt. And I turn around, and I realize, oh, it's, it's you. Like, I know you. I hear him stand up here and talk every Sunday, but in that moment, because I wasn't expecting him in that space, I couldn't recognize him. It's the same experience the disciples are having. They've only, to this point, they've met the the risen Jesus in the context of a prayer meeting, and now here they are going about their everyday lives. They didn't think that Jesus would meet them in their everyday lives. So Jesus begins with a question. Fellows, have you caught any fish? Have you caught any fish? And the way Jesus asks the question suggests that he already knows the answer. He knows that there's nothing in those nets, but there's more to the question. This is not a question about fishing. What Jesus is really saying in this moment is this How are you doing? How's it going? This is the most basic question that we ask in our human relationships. Think about it. When you see somebody, you say what? Usually, first is, Hi, what's after hi? How are you? How's it going? How you doing? Some variation of one of those things comes out of our mouths. Now, we don't always want to know the answer to the question. And sometimes when I ask people that, I actually hope that they don't answer the question. Maybe just a word like good. Okay, you understood the assignment. It's just, it's just, that's it. But Jesus is is demonstrating something different. He genuinely cares about what his disciples are going through. Friends, Jesus genuinely cares about how you are doing. He genuinely cares about how you are doing. He takes great care in asking this question. But I think what we all have to wrestle with, are we ready for Jesus to ask us this question? Are we ready for Jesus to ask this question? In times of failure and disappointment, are we looking for a Jesus that wants to know how we're actually doing? Because it seems easier sometimes to just throw out these really hollow platitudes, like praise the Lord when we don't mean it. Jesus genuinely wants to get beneath the surface to know what's going on. How are you really doing? Jesus is meeting these disciples right after their failure of a fishing trip. I love that he's not revealing himself in the midst of a celebration or in the middle of a great prayer meeting or a Bible study or during a great time singing worship songs. He's revealing himself in a moment where they failed. And let me tell you something, that is really good news for us. That is fantastic news for us because many times I've thought of Jesus as being close when I fail. Sorry, being far when I fail and close when I succeed. But in this story, we're given a glimpse of Jesus revealing himself to disciples that, number one, aren't looking for him and, number two, 
in a moment where they're experiencing failure. They are disappointed in their work, but Jesus doesn't stop with a, how's it going? He also offers them, and his second word is a word of, he gives them an idea. He gives them a suggestion. He gives them a way out. In verse 6, he says, then he said, throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you'll get some. So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. I just, I find this to be so interesting. These guys knew what they were doing. These are professional fishermen. They fished all night. They caught nothing. Why is it that the voice of a stranger calling out from the shore saying, hey, just put your net on the other side. And they did it. I don't understand why they would do it. I wouldn't have done it. I would have said, who are you? Like, I know what I'm doing. I'm good at this. This is what I do. And yet, at this suggestion from Jesus, I think there's actually two miracles here. The first one is the miracle of their obedience. Because they had no reason to listen, and yet they did. And I can't help but wonder, if, like, if the Bible wrote down every single thing that the disciples said, every word, it would be like we would never get through. It'd take your whole life to just read it through one time. But I can't help but wonder if in this moment, one disciple leaned over to the other, like, hey, do you guys remember what that time, like when we first met Jesus, way back, like three, four years ago, we just met him, we were fishing all night, and we didn't catch anything, and he said, hey, put down your nets again for a catch. Do you remember what happened? Man, that was so cool, like we caught all those fish, we couldn't even pull the nets in, they started breaking, like imagine if that happened again right now, let's just do it and see what happens. See, because here's what I realize. Sometimes a word from Jesus will remind us of what he's already done. Sometimes a word from Jesus will remind us of what he's about to do, of what he's capable of, of what's possible with him. Words from Jesus ground us in what he's done and give us hope for what's about to happen. Words from Jesus remind us of the ways that we've been healed the ways that we've been liberated, the ways that we've been set free. A word from Jesus can set us on a path to lead us right back to him. So the disciples obey. They obey. Jesus speaks and the disciples obey, which is a miracle itself. And then they experience this incredibly miraculous catch, 153 fish. And so their obedience is met with abundance. And sometimes, everybody say sometimes. Sometimes Sometimes obeying God will lead to that kind of tangible abundance in our lives. But not always. It doesn't always work out that way. And honestly, that's not even the point. It's not the point of this particular story. See, obedience did something else besides provide them with fish. It opened their eyes. Because they were obedient, they were able to see that the one speaking on the shore was not just some guy. It was Jesus. Obedience opened their eyes to see Jesus. It opened their ears to hear him. And let me tell you something. Because they recognized him, they were able to move towards him. There is no greater abundance in our lives than understanding that Jesus is present. We sing it in songs all the time. Oh, Jesus, you're more than enough for me. Well, if that's true, then just knowing that he's there should fill us to overflowing. There's no greater abundance for any of us than to recognize that Jesus is near, that he's up to something right in the middle of the very ordinary things that we do all the time. And that's, at the end of the day, that's what this story is about. 
It's about Jesus meeting these disciples right in the midst of their everyday lives. And when they finally realize it's him, they make this, this statement. It's four words. It is the Lord. It is the Lord. I like to shorten it because I don't, for whatever reason, just it is takes too long. It's the Lord. Can we say that together? It's the Lord. It's the Lord. It's a phrase that the moment, the moment that, they, that they speak it, every single one of the disciples is headed right towards Jesus. Peter jumps off the boat. Peter puts his clothes on and then jumps off the boat, which I don't understand. How many of you get dressed, more dressed to get in the water? The rest of the disciples pull the fish on board. They row the boat back to the shore. Once they recognize this Jesus, they, they want to stop whatever they're doing and they want to get to him. And it's from this place of closeness that Jesus makes his final two statements in this story. They get to the beach and there's a fire. And on the fire are fish and bread. And Jesus makes another invitation. In verse 10 it says, bring some of the fish you just caught. But what did I just say was already on the fire? So what did Jesus not need? He didn't need what they had, but he wanted to use what they had anyway. Friends, Jesus doesn't need what you have. He just wants to use it anyway. He wants to use what they have for his glory. He wants to use what they have for his mission. He wants them to participate in what he's about to do. Jesus wants his followers to participate with him in his mission to reach the world. He wants to use what you have at your jobs and in your relationships. He wants to use what you have at your schools and in your families. Every gift, talent, ability, hope, dream, wish, want, and desire, Jesus wants to use to accomplish his mission and his work in the world. The invitation is to bring what you have and let him use it. Maybe for someone in here today, Jesus is asking you to bring yourself to him for the first time. Maybe that's the invitation that he has for you today. What would it look like for you to say, yeah, I want to be close to this Jesus? And his final word, Jesus' final word in this part of the story is another invitation. It's actually my favorite out of all of them. Because it involves one of my favorite things to do, eating. He says, now come have breakfast. Come have breakfast. He's inviting his disciples to come and have a meal with him. He wants to eat with them. He wants to eat with those that love and follow him. This reminds me of Revelation 3, verse 20. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Jesus shows up on that beach. This is an ordinary morning. Let's call it Wednesday. Wednesday is the most boring day of the week. Monday is like, oh man, it's Monday, but at least you're feeling something. Friday is like, yeah, it's Friday, but Wednesday? Who likes, does anybody really love Wednesday? I've offended you. I apologize. <laughs> Sorry. The, the disciples are going about an ordinary, every, like just their regular lives and they meet Jesus. They weren't looking for him, and yet he found them anyway. They heard his voice, and they accepted his invitation to move toward him and sit and have a meal. 
This is, there's something really personal about this invitation. It's easy to think of Jesus as somebody who just wants to teach us lessons. But he wants more than to just be a teacher. He wants to be a friend. He wants re- like close, intimate relationship with us. Friends, Jesus is inviting all of us to a meal today. We gather at the church, as a church at the communion table, and the invitation is to partake of his provision, his abundance, but also to enjoy friendship with him. Jesus says these four things, and he reveals himself in the, in the middle of the everyday lives of his disciples. And he points the way. This is what Jesus is still doing today. He still wants to know how you are doing. He's asking that question. How's it going? Stay in touch with me. Tell me about, bring me your burdens, your cares. I want all of it. Come to me as you are. Be honest. Be real. Let me into the depths of your heart and your soul. How are you doing? He really wants to know. He really wants you to bring whatever it is that you have to be part of his mission for the world. He really wants you to participate in the work that he is doing. And friends, he's constantly inviting you to his meal that we celebrate at the communion table. He just wants to meet you, not just in sacred spaces, but in our ordinary, everyday lives. He wants to meet you in the prayer meeting, but also in the PTA meeting. He wants to meet his disciples in the boardroom and the laundry room, in worship or in wandering, on the mountaintop or in the valley. He reveals himself when his people, while living their real lives, recognize his presence, recognize his work, and simply declare, it's the Lord. So my encouragement to you is this. Be on the lookout for the ways Jesus is moving, not just when you're here, but when you're just going about your day. When you're on the subway, driving in your car in traffic, did you know you can meet Jesus in traffic? That seems hard to believe. (laughs) He cares about how you're doing. He's given us the solution to the problem of sin, and he wants us to take part in his mission. I'm going to call our worship team to come forward. See, we can all pray for a greater awareness of his presence. I've heard it said that we don't lack the presence of Jesus, we lack an awareness of his presence. We need to root ourselves in the kind of prayer that opens our eyes to see how he's meeting us in our everyday lives. We can look to his word to be reminded of what he's done, but also what he's promised. We can get into community with other believers because sometimes we need help seeing Jesus. That's why I love that there's all these opportunities now here at New Life to get involved in community, whether that's like a fun day to be with other families or whatever else we happen to have going on. And my hope for us is that we can all live with a greater awareness of his presence. And from that, we can often say, it's the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you make yourself so evident to us that we can see you in the midst of our everyday lives. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear. We love you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. What a great gift of a word from Pastor Matt. Um, We're reminded that Jesus is constantly moving towards us. 
he moves towards the disciples that are just far out at sea. He moves towards them in their disappointment and failure. He moves towards them to include them with their fish. He moves towards them and says, come, have a meal with me. Come have breakfast. As we enter this time of having sharing in the Lord's table, just want to take some time for confession. My question to us as a church today is, where have you failed to respond to an invitation from Jesus? Jesus is constantly inviting us into relationship, whether that's to walk with him, partner with him, um, move and do something courageous with him. Let's take some time and reflect. pray the prayer of confession together. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and our neighbor through our own fault, in thought, in word, and deed, in what we have done, in what we have left undone. For the sake of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, forgive us all our offenses and grant that we may serve you in newness of life to the glory of your name amen at this time we'll partake of the lord's table and just even from the passage today and just looking at the life of jesus this is such a table of inclusion not exclusivity there's not in and out jesus welcomes everyone to this table there's poor at the table rich at the table there's politically left politically right there's old young whatever your experiences are you are so welcome to this table by jesus he gave his life for you and so today as we eat this bread and drink this cup let's remember that you are welcome it's not just something that he's seen you do from afar but he's so glad that you are entering into this table so if you have made a commitment to follow jesus as your lord and savior welcome you to participate so scripture tells us that for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take of his body. the same way after supper he took the cup saying this cup is a new covenant in my blood do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me for whatever you eat this bread or drink this cup 
you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's take part of the cup. Father, your arms are open wide. They're never closed off to us. Your heart is never closed to us. God, thank you for this table. That as we partake of the feast, and this feast is you, you are our feast. There is no one greater, no one else that satisfies like you, Jesus. Thank you for allowing us to partake of you and to be part of this family. Thank you for welcoming each and every one of us at your, the cost of your life and for being our risen king. We give you our hearts thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing this song together as a response. Yes, please stand. Falling down upon our knees Sharing sought security not the cross that bears your name fences guard our hearts and homes comfort sings a siren too we're a valley of dry bones lead us back Stones lead us back. 
prayer team to come to my right. Prayer is such a gift. There is power when God's people pray together. Amen. And you may have something on your heart that you want to share. And we're here. The church is meant to walk together. Church is broken people. So sharing a prayer request is not for the perfect or, you know, it's just a sharing of life together. We're not meant to be a perfect body. So we welcome you today. If you would like to share a prayer request to come forward um, and receive prayer. And for those of you who are watching online, we welcome you to our sermon discussion. And there's a time to click on the virtual link and we'll be able to connect together with others who are online to talk about our sermon together. It's a wonderful way to connect and digest what we've just heard. And I also want to ask, is there anyone here today that you have never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior? The Bible tells us that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus has come that you may have life and life to the full. He comes to give us life and freedom and there's nothing in this world that satisfies like Jesus. And no one that is so greater, no love that is greater. So I welcome you, if that is you, to make a decision of faith that you can make that as a prayer. You can also let us know. We would love to hear from you so that we can walk with you in that journey. You can text yes to Jesus at 718-424-0122 or come meet myself, any of our staff, our prayer team, and please share that decision. We'd love to support you as you follow Christ. And I invite you, church, to, uh, to open your hands before God. And we do this as a practice of receiving blessing from God. We recognize that our world is so full of condemnation, cursing, and we want to receive blessing so that we recognize we can only bless as we have received blessing. So brothers and sisters, sons and daughters of the living God, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he turn his face towards you and give you peace. And as you walk out of these doors, may you know that the risen Christ goes before you comes behind you is to your right to your left and all around you everywhere you go we pray this in the strong powerful and precious name of jesus amen go in peace